that you want to try. Welcome, everybody, to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman. Go and follow The Logan Blackman Show on all different forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram. Go like the Facebook page and go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And as we said yesterday, there is a video coming soon as well as Logan Blackman Show merchandise, which is very cool. I very much recommend to get it. The video and merchandise link will be dropped at the exact same time on Saturday. Haven't decided which time will be a surprise to everybody else. It'll be a surprise to me as well, pretty much, on when this stuff is actually going to get dropped. I still need to edit the video down entirely because, again, we we record the show very late yesterday. So now we are here, and I've got all this stuff on my laptop now. Transitioned it from my phone to my laptop, but... We still need to edit it down and file it down. And I want to redo some stuff in regards to my in-studio stuff. And some of you out there won't even know what that means. But you'll have to wait and see. So you'll have to wait and see, pretty much. You won't know what it means until it actually happens. So get ready for that. But if you know what today is, today is Friday, which means we have another edition of Friday Fun Day, as well as the return of Top five dumbest yes this week top five dumbest hits a little closer to home we are covering the buffalo bills yes i know as we showed on the video on wednesday and sorry we haven't been recording podcast videos as consistently this week i'm not recording one now my phone's dying really fast now because i'm using it for work and when i come home from work it's usually dead and it's not well usually when it's around dead it's not charged so that's kind of the obvious slogan but I digress. So sorry about not posting videos, but you'll have a good one coming out Saturday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But you saw in the video on Wednesday of my baby picture with the Buffalo Bills stuff with the football in my hand. I wore a Bills helmet. I have a Bills logo on my uh, my official logo, I guess. It's me wearing a Bills helmet. I got a drawn picture of Mario Williams to my right. Or when he was on the Bills, that was a lot of fun. But I have to do one of them. They're going to come around eventually. We did the Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, whatever the hell you want to call them. We did one of them two weeks ago. So now I thought we might as well just do the team Bills, the Raiders lost to in the AFC Championship game 51-3. I mean, it makes sense to have that. Nice little follow-up section right there. And good Lord, it wasn't very hard to find things to talk about. For the top five dumbest the Buffalo Bills have done. Because a lot of their top five dumbest have been around since I've been alive. Because I've experienced a lot of very bad and very crappy football throughout my lifetime. Hell, they didn't even make the playoffs since I've remembered. Last time they made the playoffs was 2000. That was the year my sister was born. She never saw the Bills in the playoffs until two years ago. Or three three years ago when Tyrod Taylor took them to the playoffs. Thank you to the Chargers and Bengals. For, for yeah. Thank you, Andy Dalton. Thank you, Tyler Boyd. And thank you to the Chargers for not having a kicker. Because other than that, if that didn't happen, the Bills would have not made the playoffs that year. Man. And we actually got something around that season, too, that we're going to talk about for the Logan Blackman Show today for Top 5 Dumbest. And I got a very, very funny prediction that Bleacher Report made in 2013. So that's that's a little teaser for you on what's going to be said on Top 5 Dumbest today. And we got Friday Funday, so if you don't know what Friday Funday is, we're doing a tier list. We're going to start off with some news first, and then go into the Friday Funday stuff. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Last day in July, we are getting closer and closer to the start of school. School starts, for me anyways, on August 17th, but I got to go back a week early where I start my new radio job. So that'll be a lot of fun, a nice little internship to get me to graduation in the fall i am very excited for everything that's going to happen in the fall because i am ready to be done with school and one of my roommates he actually just got done with school today so congratulations to andrew on finishing up college and with that being said let's just get in to the logan byman show talking points obviously the mls's back tournament is still going on with the knockout stage quarterfinals taking place tonight the first round of those games we have sporting kansas city Playing the Philadelphia Union, I, of course, have on my black Sporting Kansas City kit. I've been waiting for the navy blue jersey or indigo jersey, I think is what they call it, technically. 
I've been waiting for that since last Thursday. And it said, three-day shipping. Um, It hasn't been three days. It's been a little over three days. We're almost at a week now. Actually, no, today is marks a week since I ordered it. That's seven days, not three days. Grant shipping was free. And then also, I got a nice little email from the MLSstore.com that everything in the store that's over $49 is 50% off. Like, sick. You couldn't told me this last week? I tried to get the jersey for Sunday's game against uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps, but obviously it wouldn't happen unless they shipped it on the weekends, which I wasn't really expecting them to. But there's that glimmer of hope that I thought would they would ship it on the weekend. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm expecting them to win, so I'll just wear it for the next game. And it's still not here. Thankfully, I've got my black jersey on. I do not have my jersey from this season. I got it last year. It's a, the, the what do you want to call it? The baby blue, the Carolina blue jersey with the stripes on it. It's got a Johnny Russell jersey. That's up at school. So all my jerseys that I have here at Sporting Kansas City are my black one that I've got on now and two jerseys that don't fit me anymore. Then I got my first Sporting Kansas City game when they played the Seattle Sounders. I got to check the year because I, I have a picture of it on my phone. I got to see what, uh, what year that was. I just remember it being super hot that day. July 24th, 2016. Yeah, that jersey doesn't really fit anymore. It was a lot smaller about four years ago. Wait, what was what was that date? Uh, it's not a... Oh, wow. That was almost four years ago. Today. The 24th. We're six days off of it being four years ago today. Crazy stuff. We were on ESPN that game, too. We were right next to the Seattle Sounders fans. Sporting pounded them 3 nothing. Very impressive stuff from Sporting Kansas City in that game. But those jerseys don't fit anymore. Sadly... So I'm wearing this one, my black one. It's a beautiful jersey. Probably my favorite one they've had. Just a nice, simple black jersey with silver stuff all across the uniform. It just looks very, very nice. It's very comfortable, and it's very, very nice. But I wish I had my Indigo jersey, MLSstore.com. That would be very nice. Please send it at least by tomorrow, or maybe. So it is $4.55. What if, by the grace of God, that it just comes in the mail at like six. What if that just happens? Like, oh, it's a late delivery. And FedEx just is going like, oh, we're running all over town today. We didn't have time to drop this off. Here you go. Chucks out the door. And then we get one right before the game starts. Because the game is at seven tonight. Very excited for this game. It's going to be a lot tougher game than what I thought, at least, Sporting Kansas City would be facing against the Vancouver Whitecaps. I honestly did not expect a penalty shootout victory for Sporting. I think you could tell by my tone of voice uh, that Friday and that or that Monday too, because I record these shows before the games start usually. That I thought it was going to piece be a piece of cake for Sporting Kansas City, and it was not. They did end up winning the game three to one on penalties, nil nil after regular time. But Philadelphia, we haven't talked about the Philadelphia Union a crap ton on this show so far. So let's go with a little bit of preview what Philadelphia has done so far this tournament. So they beat NYFC, NYCFC 1-0. They beat Inter-Miami 2-1. And then they drew with Orlando City 1-1. Nani, the captain of Orlando City, very weird choice of captain, but he's the best player on the team. So captain, same thing with Alan Polito being the captain. Just you haven't been in the club for that long, so it's kind of weird to see you be captain, but... I remember uh, Aston Villa did this a few years ago. They signed Mika Richards, former right back of Manchester City. I think his last team he played for was Fiorentina, washed out in Italy. And he came come over to Aston Villa and instantly handed the captain's armband. You know what happens to Aston Villa? Straight back down. No leadership from that team. I think that was the same summer that Fabian Delph said, I want to be an example for these young Aston Villa fans as he was returning as captain, as they just went to the FA Cup final. And then, like, two days later, goes to Manchester City. I think it was that summer that that happened. And, like, usually when you're a captain, you have to have some sort of long standing with the team. Usually. But sometimes they're just handicapped right, right away. You saw that with the Philadelphia Union as well. 
We were talking about Orlando City SC, but their captain is Alejandro Bedoya, United States, former United States international. He came over from Nantes and was handed the captaincy like that. Came over in 2016. I would say he was handed the captaincy shortly after that. August 3rd, 2016 is when Bedoya joined the Philadelphia Union for $1 million. Not a very big transfer fee, but he's not the greatest player of all time. I have no, I kind of like Alejandro Bedoya. He's been a good servant for the U.S. men's national team and has been a good captain for the Philadelphia Union. See, sometimes giving a captaincy to someone that quick works out. I would say most of the time it doesn't. Because you got players that are at the club that have been there for a while. And you're like, well, I was expecting it. I've been here for a while. I'm a youth team player. And then he gives it to the best player. You see that a lot in the MLS. Like with the Philadelphia Union with Alejandro Bedoya. Nani with Orlando City. Alan Polito getting the captaincy over Graham Zuzzi and Ilya Sanchez, who was the vice captain before. Roger Espinosa even. Just weird. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. See that with Manchester United, given the captaincy of the Harry Maguire, who's the vice captain. But granted, I guess there's also a thing of they didn't have any leaders on the team either. Really? There's two things. But Nani, I, I don't know. He's never. I love Nani. Loved watching him at Manchester United. One of the more frustrating players I've ever watched at Manchester United. But one of the most skillful players. Never really struck me as a, a leader or a captain. But. He's a captain of Orlando City, and they are in a hot run of form right now, and they'll be taking on LAFC in the next round of the playoffs. So, Sporting Kansas City versus Philadelphia Union. Official prediction, I am going 1-0 or 2-1 to to Sporting Kansas City. Because so far, this partnership of Poonchek and Graham Smith has not allowed a goal yet. They didn't allow any against Vancouver, didn't allow any against... Uh, Colorado and didn't allow any again or not against Colorado didn't allow any against RSL they won two nothing against RSL I think they can win two to one or one nothing in this game because Philadelphia is a better team than RSL got a better goalkeeper as well and Andre Blake battle the probably the two best goalkeepers left in the MLS's back tournament in my opinion Andre Blake and Tamelia but yeah I'm going sporting moving on there for the rest of the games here this is my official prediction. We talked about this yesterday. This is my officially official predictions. So the next, oh geez, the next game in the in the quarterfinals is Orlando City against LAFC. LAFC will win this game. I'm fairly confident in saying that. I'm going to go with the two nothing victory for LAFC. Actually, three one, three one. They're going to allow a goal. I, I think they'll allow a goal. I think 3-1 will be the final there. Next games we got on the dock for these next round of games. San Jose versus Minnesota United on August 1st. I'm going to go with Minnesota United beating the San Jose Earthquakes. Minnesota United already beat the San Jose Earthquakes 5-2 at the start of the season. Now, San Jose's looked really good so far this MLS's back tournament, beating Real Salt Lake 5-2. Winning their group, fairly easy. Getting their place locked in before anybody else did. A lot of teams advanced, but not a lot of teams knew where they were going to be in their in their group. Same as they did. So, it's going to be close. I'm going to go... Hmm. 1-1 penalty shootout. Just like Minnesota's last game, Minnesota wins on penalties. And then for the last game, NYCFC against Portland. This won't be close. I'm going to go... Two to uh, two three, Portland. Close game, high scoring game, but Portland finds a way to win. Clinch's victory from the jaws of defeat. This will be their highest scoring game in the tournament. They've scored two goals in every single game of the group stage, and then scored one against a not great FC Cincinnati team. And NYCFC are looking, at least in their last game, they are very lucky to be in that state this stage, anyways. But they looked good against Toronto FC. Maxi Ramar- Maxi Raz scoring again. It's dangerous for him. Dangerous. Maybe NYCFC pips him in this game. But I am going to go with Portland. I'm going to be so upset 
if NYCFC wins this, because of the fact that I just cut all ties with NYCFC once the knockout stage hit, because they really, really had no business being there. It was just really lucky that the LA Galaxy got a penalty in like the 86 minute or whatever to send them into the knockout stage. And Houston, after that penalty, did have some opportunities to get their spot back, missing by millimeters at times. But in the end, NYCFC moved on to the knockout stage and just pounded Toronto FC. Crazy stuff. I'm loving this MLS's back term. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. I can't wait for the MLS regular season to actually happen. If that does, if the proposal actually does happen, or if the proposal actually is true, that would be, I would love to see the MLS season again. I don't care if there's fans in the stands. I just want a full season MLS. I'm, I love the tournament, but I'd like to see more games in my teams. And it's a little unfair to these teams that, like Atlanta, like uh, Chicago maybe, the New York Red Bulls, DC United, that have better teams than what they showed to a certain extent through these first three games of the tournament. Like Atlanta didn't score any goals this tournament. That's not what Atlanta United is. They lost by one each of their three games. one nothing against New York, one nothing against FC Cincinnati, one nothing against Columbus Crew. I hope that the MLS regular season actually does come back. But that being said, still go out and win this big boy tournament. Is this technically MLS Cup or what are we calling this thing? Is it just the MLS's back tournament final? Is there, this isn't MLS Cup, is it? I don't think so. So yeah, I mean, it's not the big trophy, but still go out and win the trophy for the boys right now let's look at some statistics around the the tournament so far your top scorer of this of this is Diego Rossi with seven goals right picking up right where Carlos Vea had left off in the tournament Alejandro Puzello is the leading assister with five assists but now Toronto FC are out Sebastian Blanco Alan Plito and Brian Rodriguez are right behind him though Blanco playing for Portland has four assists and Plito and Rodriguez each have three and they're still in the tournament shutouts Andre Blake, there's a like a what? How many is that? I'm not gonna count all those guys, but Andre Blake, Stephen Fry, Thomas Assal, Zach McMath, Tim Melia, Elon Room, Matt Turner. Not even gonna try and say that for FC Cincinnati. Titan, Remschlaw, Titan, and Diego Vega, Daniel Vega for San Jose. Three of them are still in the tournament, and two of them are playing each other in Sporting Kansas City and Philadelphia Union. So we might see someone take over that top shutout mark with three. We'll see what happens, though. I'm very excited for Sporting's game tonight at 7. So I thought about recording this after the game just to get my initial thoughts afterwards, but I'll just save it for tomorrow. I have to edit a video, too, so I'll be editing that a little bit throughout the game just so I can get that out and ready by by the time Saturday does come around because I want that thing to get officially released. So I'm excited for it. Now, the next thing we got here on the docket today for the Logan Blackman Show, the NBA, the National Basketball Association, is back today, July 30th. So if you're listening to this on July 31st, like when the show is actually getting released, the NBA has already happened and has already been back. So the games today are the Jazz versus the Pelicans and the Los Angeles Clippers versus the Los Angeles Lakers. Thank the Lord, J.R. Smith is now back in our lives I love J.R. Smith. I think everybody loves J.R. Smith. There's so many meme-worthy players on the Los Angeles Lakers. You have one of the best duos in recent NBA history with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then you got, here, I want to go to their roster so I don't miss anybody. There's a lot of meme-worthy players on the Lakers, and I don't want to leave anybody out. That'd be really rude of me. Uh, Scrolling down a little farther. Okay, yeah. So we have... Alice Caruso, the biggest meme in the NBA, next to Taco Fall. Uh, we got Jared Dudley creating the big three. was a little bit of a meme a little a while ago. Dwight Howard, Kyle Kuzma, JaVale McGee, J.R. Smith, Dion Waiters. We got so many memes on this team. If you would have told me back 10 years ago that Dwight Howard, one of the best centers in the NBA, would not only be on the Lakers – 
Maybe it was on the Lakers 10 years ago. Maybe it was – was that around 10 years ago? Okay, not exactly 10 years ago. Eight or nine – eight or seven or eight years ago he moved to the Lakers. But 10 years ago, he's on the Lakers. Not only is he on the Lakers, he is the backup center to JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee got, came in the same year as Dwight Howard, I believe, 2008 or 2004. Oh, jeez. Okay, I'm a little <laughs> – I'm a little off. I'm a, way, I'm a little bit off there, but – JaVale McGee, in his first few seasons in the league, he was averaging some decent numbers, uh, around 10 points a game for the early part of his career. Kind of dipped off a little bit. Now he's at a career high with 12 points last year. 12.0 points per game. Two-time NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors. Just decent numbers in the early parts of his career. That was like a Dwight Howard. The early parts of Dwight Howard's career. 12, 15, 17, 20, 20, 18, 22, 20. And then he goes to the Lakers, and everything started to uh, kind of fall apart after that with him and Nash linking up with Kobe, and everybody thought they were going to be the next super team. And uh, it didn't really work out. I mean, they finished seventh in the Western Conference, which, I mean, is not anything to, to scoff at. It's not terrible. I mean, it's not great either. It's not really that good, if I'm being honest. We got swept in the first round. No, no, that's also not that great. But that was the last time the Lakers were in the playoffs until this year. Crazy. Or the 2019-20. Yeah, this is season. Craziness. But you have the greatest duo in the NBA right now, AD and LeBron, with all those memes on the team. Like, it's insane to look at this team. Like, <laughs> Giannis's younger brother's on the team. You got Quinn Cook who put on his full uniform after the Golden State Warriors won a, the NBA Finals just to take a picture with it, even though he didn't play a second in the NBA Finals. Yeah, there's just <laughs> there's a lot of memes on this. I love it. I absolutely love the Los Angeles Lakers memes. And then we got games tomorrow as well. We got games all around the NBA. But tomorrow we got the Magic Nets, Suns Wizards, Grizzlies Trailblazers, Celtics Bucks, Kings Spurs, Rockets, and Mavericks. Saturday we got Heat's Nuggets, Jazz Thunder, Pelicans Clippers, Sixers Pacers, and Lakers and Raptors. And then we got on Sunday Wizards, Nets, Trailblazers, Celtics, Spurs, Grizzlies, Kings, Magic, Bucks, Rockets, Mavericks, and Suns. Battle for Steve Nash on Sunday. Mavericks for Suns. So, with that being said, let's go and make an NBA tier list. Yes. I've never made an NBA tier list, at least on this show. I've made a tier list of NBA players. Never actually released one. It's the best overall NBA players right now tier list maker. And we got a lot of great players on this list. We got likes of PG-13, Clay Thompson, KD, LeBron, obviously, Ka- Ka- uh, Giannis, I almost said Kost- Kostas, uh, Antetokounmpo, AD's on here, Luka Doncic is on here. We got a lot of great players on here. So let's just start off by putting the two obvious ones on S tier, LeBron James, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, there's levels above everybody else right now. They're only, it's a two-horse race for MVP, really. I Well, they're the two leaders of the MVP race. Let's just put it like that. Because I guess you could throw in one, other, one or two other people for the MVP race this season. But I would say they are definitely the top two guys so far this season. LeBron has been playing out of his mind since moving to the point guards. Actually being the point guard for the Lakers this season. Absolutely leads the league in assists this year with 10.6. Absolutely ridiculous. And Giannis basically averaging 30 points a game while also having 13 points, basically 14 rebounds a game as well. Insane seasons for both of them. I think you can also throw Kawhi Leonard up there. Maybe if you want to do it like this, like, oh, those two are untouchable. Maybe Kawhi goes to A tier, but he has to go up there. I would also put KD up there as well. And then I throw in James Harden up at the top tier as well. James Harden right now leads the league in scoring with 34.4 points per game. And also is the league leader in three-pointers made in a game with 4.4 three-pointers made per game. So those are my top five players in the NBA right now. LeBron, uh, Giannis, I keep, Kostas keeps coming out. Kawhi, KD, and James Harden. No, KD hasn't played a second of basketball this year. But when he's on and when he's playing, it's impossible to deny him as one of the best players in the NBA. You just can't. The hate for KD is kind of – it's still there. There's, I'd say there's still a decent amount of people that dislike KD a lot. 
but I think it's kind of dimmed down a little bit. I don't think the hatred is as fruitful, I guess you could say, as it once was. But yeah, those are my top five players in the NBA right now. Right behind them in A tier. Who am I going to throw in A tier? Anthony Davis, I think, could go in A tier. Maybe you could make the argument he goes in S tier. Anthony Davis has been out of his, playing out of his mind as well this year. Like, I think LeBron at some point will win AD and MVP before it's all said and done in their time in Los Angeles. I think you got to throw the least two likely, the least, these two do not look like they should be playing basketball. And I think, you know, just by me saying that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic, two of the best players in the world right now. I want to dodge it so freaking bad during that summer. The Bulls didn't have enough to get, didn't go up to get him. And they drafted Wendell Carter, which I'm fine with Wendell Carter. But when the other options, Luka Doncic, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Doncic if I'm being 100% honest. Also, on this list, you have to throw Stephen Curry up in A tier. One of the best players on the planet when he's healthy. Same thing with Damian Lillard on A tier. Dame has been playing out of his mind. This year as well, he's averaging 28.9 points per game. And he's also second in the NBA in three-pointers made per game at 3.9. Insane stuff. I think you could also throw, even though he's not the greatest defender of all time, I think you've got to, just what he does on the offensive side. Trey Young has to go in A tier. You look at what he does in scoring. He's third in the league in scoring, tied with Giannis on points per game. He's second in the league in assists with 9.3 assists a game. Playing for the Hawks, which you could say it's stat padding. Sure, because the Hawks are an absolutely atrocious team. Because as of right now, the Hawks, who aren't in the bubble, obviously, same with the Bulls, are the second worst team in the Eastern Conference with only 20 wins. One above the Cleveland Cavaliers. But Trey Young is a lot like Devin Booker, where the entire offense runs through him. But he does it at such a higher clip in every uh, facet of the offensive game. I really like Devin Booker. I enjoy watching Devin Booker. But I don't know. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep Trey Young above that for right now. Even though they're very similar players playing, meaning they play on a very bad team and are the only good players on said bad teams. I think Clay Thompson also has to go up in A tier. Uh, the two great, two of the greatest shooters in NBA history, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. You can't separate them really. Uh, Russell Westbrook has to go up in A tier as well. Russell's an absolutely insane athletic freak on the basketball court. He there's not a lot of things that he does that anybody else can even come close to replicating in the NBA. He's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how to put anything other than that. Now, do I want to put anybody else in A tier? I'm going to throw Kyrie Irving up in A tier. Skill-wise, his dribbling ability is insane. Now, I know not a lot of people like him. Locker room stuff is a little bit of an issue with Kyrie Irving, but you can't deny man's talent he has to go in a tier bradley beal though do i throw him on the high end of b tier do i put him up in a tier would you guys consider him being up with the likes of ad Jokic, steph clay russ dame would you throw him up with those guys or keep him in b tier i know he's second in the league in scoring with 30.5 points per game but i think i'm just gonna keep him b tier that might be a little mean to him but I think B tier form. I'm gonna throw Paul George up there as well, and then you could throw the likes of Joel Embiid and uh, Donovan Mitchell up in B tier. Maybe you might do move Donovan Mitchell down. We'll just think about that. Carl Anthony Towns, B tier. I throw Kemba Walker in B tier. Same with Chris Paul in B tier. Chris Paul playing great this year, playing really good for how for his age right now. I would throw Ben Simmons in B tier, even though. Dude can't shoot a lick. Jimmy Butler has to go in B tier as well. Maybe you can even make an argument that he could be, I don't know. Does Embiid go in A tier? Does he? I don't know. These tier lists are so, I'll edit it when when it's officially done. But this is just what my gut feeling is at the point of time that I'm making. I think John Wall can go up in B tier. Who else do I want to throw up in B tier? Is that it for B tier? I think so. C tier. Ah, Zach, Zach Levine is so good. I feel mean putting him down in B tier. Do I put it or C tier? Do I put him up in B tier and be biased as hell? Uh, 
I want to because I love Zach Levine. I'll put him on last. I'll put him on last. Um, other Who's going to go in C tier? Devin Booker has to go in B tier. I don't know why I didn't see Devin Booker on there. Uh, ah, there's a lot of good players on here. So we got De'Aaron Fox, Blake Griffin, Zach Levine, D'Angelo Russell, DeMar DeRozan, Andre Drummond, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, Kyle Lowry, Nikola Vucevic, and DeAndre. Whoa, what? what, what why did I say DeAndre? Marcus Aldridge. Yeah. <laughs> I think Boogie Cousins has to go up in B tier. When he's healthy, Boogie Cousins is an unstoppable force. I think I got to throw D'Angelo Russell up in B tier as well. I think. And same thing with DeMar DeRozan, maybe. I don't know. This is so I don't I don't like tier lists anymore. But I've started this trend of where I do it on Fridays, so I gotta keep it going on Fridays. Uh this is so mean. I'm just throwing up people now. Do I put him down in do I put him down in C tier? I can't even move him. There he goes. Um uh oh my god. I finished it. I finished it. I didn't like it. I don't like this tier list. This is a mean tier list. I don't know where to put anybody. I got to throw him down one more tier. Yeah. So here we go. I'll read out the tier list of what I've got for this. S tier, I got LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, KD, and James Harden. A tier, Anthony Davis, Nikola, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Clay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, and Kyrie Irving. B tier, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, Kemba Walker, Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, John Wall, Devin Booker, and Boogie Cousins. C tier, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, Zach Levine, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, DeMar DeRozan, D'Angelo Russell, and D tier, De'Aaron Fox, Nikola Vucevic, and DeAndre Drummond. Drummond. I don't like this tier list, but we did it for the show. So you know what? We're keeping it. I don't like it at all, but you know what? We are, it stays. And I don't know if I want to download it or not. But, I mean, we'll we'll save and download it. Actually, no, I want to edit. I might edit this. So, we're not going to download it yet. That's not official. So, go go follow the Logan Byman Show Twitter account at the underscore LB underscore show to go look at the tier list once it's released. Also, go follow the Instagram account at the Logan, the Logan Blackman Show. We usually post a podcast clip on the Instagram page. We didn't do it today or for Thursday show. I don't know really I really don't know why we didn't do that, but didn't end up doing it. And now we are here. So uh with the last section of the Logan Blackman show day here, let me take a, a sip of water real quick. Uh for this last section of the Logan Blackman show, let us begin with top five dumbest. My favorite section we do on the Logan Blackman. I have a lot of favorites. I think my ultimate favorite is Unit of the Week. All-time favorite segment we have ever done on the Logan Blackman show. But we haven't had the opportunity to do it in a while because there have been no sports. So we haven't really had any opportunities to do the Unit of the Week. But don't worry. It will be coming back soon. Sports are starting to come back. You see baseball has got a lot of units in it. You got basketball with a fair bit of units in it like LeBron and Giannis are units football might be coming back soccer don't really have a lot of units in it hockey has some units in it. like you got Ryan Reeves is one of the units just as an example Mike Trout Kyle Schwarber have one unit of the week awards from baseball so any sport is possible to win unit of the week usually there's not a lot of soccer like Adama Traore could have won one in the Premier League. Romelu Lukaku has won a Unit of the Week award. But usually you don't see a lot of soccer's winning soccer players winning Unit of the Week awards. It just doesn't happen that often. Not a lot of units play soccer, to be fair. But there are some out there. As I said, Adama Traore being the biggest unit on a soccer field. Absolutely insane specimen on a soccer field. Dude doesn't look like a soccer. He looks like a freaking rugby player. Ugh. Jeez, dude's a freaking animal. Speed for days. I don't know how he moves so fast. And he doesn't even weight lift. He says if he weight lifted, he'd even be even bigger than what he is now. Go look up a picture of Adama Traore, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But for this Friday, 
since we don't have unit of the weeks as of right now, we are just going to stick to our top five dumbest. My favorite segment at this point in time here on the Logan Blackman show until unit of the week makes its remarkable, miraculous return from its vacation, I guess you could call it. So let's start it off. The Buffalo Bills, a team that I've been around my entire life. Literally, I have I showed you a baby picture of me with Bills stuff on. Like, it was ingrained in me from a small child that I would be raised in a Buffalo Bills household. The picture that I talk about has my middle name on it, has a Bills helmet on it, has a Bills logo on it. I have a football in my hand. I've got Bill stuff all around my house. My dad's office at work, he has a giant USA flag, but no, you would think it's a USA flag. No, no, no. It is a Buffalo Bills flag, stylized like the American flag. He has a picture of Ralph Wilson. Sta- oh, New Era. No, no, it's not even New Airfield anymore. I'm just so, I was so used. I Ralph Wilson Stadium will always, it's what, that's what it's going to be called in my heart, no matter what they change it to. He has a picture of that. He has a signed towel from Andre Reed. He has a clock, a Bills clock that one of his got one of his friends put to the right of the doorway, so it's wide right. Uh-huh. He has two Bills. Sta- Actually, no. How many statues do he have? Little tiny statues, like that Jeff Gordon one that I've had in my videos before. He has three or four of them. He has a Bills mouse pad. He has a Bills helmet that is a, a pen holder. Um, what else does he have? He has a Bills sticker. He has a Bills license plate cover that he hasn't put on his truck. What else does he have in his office? I'm just not for, not remembering right now. I think that's it. I think that's it for right now. Me might have more and I'm just not remembering it right now, but it is all around me at all times. Bills stuff, Bills stuff, Bills stuff. Buffalo Bills football is as current to me and as is ingrained in my family dynamic as most people's family dinners are i don't know if that's we have family dinners every once in a while but we talk like buffalo bills football is number one priority in this household or at least top two priority in this household i'd say i'd say my dad holds me and my family to a high regard as well maybe not as high as like jim kelly or someone like that but up there so, with that being said, let's just go right in to the top five dumbest the, the Buffalo Bills have ever done. Now, as I said, this is going to be a lot of stuff that has revolved around my lifetime. Because a lot of bad football has played throughout my lifetime. Now, there was a lot of bad football prior to the Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas era. But none rivals this. No playoff football since 2000. The last playoff game they played was against the Tennessee Titans, the Music City Miracle, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But we're not starting off with that. We're starting off with the Buffalo Bills, and I, I hated putting this on here, but you kind of have to. Because I value, and lo- I have a freaking jersey of this said player, Tredavious White. I think he's the, by far the second best corner in the NFL. I'm tired of seeing him getting disrespected. By, the, by a lot of media out there. I love Tredavious White. I cannot stress that enough. But when you have the 10th overall pick, and you trade back with the Chiefs, you select Patrick Mahomes, who becomes the highest paid player in NFL history, in sports history, won an MVP, won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl MVP, it makes you kind of sad a little bit. Not terribly, though, because I love Tredavious White. So it's not like I go back in time and reverse the trade and make the trade never happen. Because the Bills, that offseason, were not really in the market for a quarterback. They just signed Tyrod Taylor to a new deal. And that was what it was. It was just Tyrod Taylor. They weren't really looking to move on from him at that point. They had a five-year deal with an opt-out one-year deal in there. So they were like, oh, whatever he does, let's just get him. We're not really looking for a quarterback. We just signed our quarterback. Tyra Taylor had a really good year his first two years in Buffalo. His last year in Buffalo was kind of just eh. But there's a lot of Bills fans out there that would much rather have Patrick Mahomes than Josh Allen. 
And I would not, <laughs> I would not disagree with that. I think everybody on every NFL franchise would say they'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than their current starting quarterback. I think he's the envy of every team in the NFL. I remember I, in my first NFL prediction pretty video that I've made on my YouTube channel, go and check it out. It's long though, but go check it out. The Chiefs said Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. That was a quote from them. Go watch the video. It's when I talked about the Chiefs. And it turns out he very may well be the greatest quarterback of all time. That dude is freaking insane. So when you have an opportunity to take him at number 10, trade back and select a corner with your team who's been dying for a franchise quarterback ever since Jim Kelly left, it doesn't. It's, makes you kind of feel weird. Now, I, again, I will not stress this enough. I would not... Take back the trade, even though I'm including this on top five dumbest things. But think of the value of a play, of a quarterback and a cornerback. Would you rather draft a quarterback first overall or a cornerback first overall? You're going to take the best ever quarterback of all time than the best cornerback of all time. You would take Tom Brady over Deion Sanders. I think a lot of people would agree on that. I mean, no matter how much of a freak Deion Sanders was on a football field, and by far the greatest cornerback of all time, you would still take Tom Brady first overall. I love, love, love Trey Davis White. This does not say Trey Davis White is a bad corner. This would make it even worse. They traded back like the Browns did and got like, um, what's his nuts? Deshaun Kaiser. After trading back and taking, trading back in the pick that ended up being Deshaun Watson, you draft Deshaun Kaiser later. If that happened, no, that, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think that did happen. That did happen. The Bills traded back to get Tredavious White and drafted Nathan Peterman in that round or that draft. So instead of drafting Patrick Mahomes, let's not look at it as the Bills wound up with Tredavious White instead of Patrick Mahomes. The Bills wound up with Nathan Peterman instead of Patrick Mahomes. Think about that. (laughs) That's what we got to look at this through. Not the fact that the Bills got Tredavious White the second best corner in the NFL. Even he's said that on social media. But the fact the Bills got that and ended up with Nathan Peterman. Now, I love Nathan Peterman for the memes. My fantasy football team's names are usually the MV Petermans. Defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the decade. But you could have had Patrick Mahomes. Instead, you got Nathan Peterman. I would. I think everybody would have loved Patrick Mahomes. I think every team in the NFL wants Patrick Mahomes or wants to find a Patrick Mahomes. The Bills got a guy that can do some of the things Patrick Mahomes can do and Josh Allen. I'm not saying they're comparable by any stretch of the imagination, so don't, don't put words in my mouth. Even though I have placed a bet on Josh Allen to win the 2021 NFL MVP. Will it happen? I don't know. But if it does, I'll be very excited. And then all you Jets fans out there and all other people that your draft predictions are just wrong... And we'll talk about one draft prediction that's going to be very wrong in a little bit. You can get off me a little bit. But if it doesn't, then whatever. I lose $10. So it's it, uh, I'm not losing any sleep over it. But yeah, you don't draft Patrick Mahomes. And then a team in your conference drafts him. And they're going to play each other. Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. They will be playing this year. So it'll be very exciting to see what gives. The Bills, offense, or the Bills defense or the Chiefs offense. We'll have to wait and see. It'll be very fun. Number four, we just talked about him, the Nathan Peterman era. The handling of Nathan Peterman and Tyrod Taylor. So, Sean McDermott's first year as the head coach, the draft, Sean McDermott didn't have a GM. Sean McDermott did all the drafting for the Buffalo Bills in that first year, 2017. He also drafted Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman went on to be one of the biggest jokes of an NFL quarterback in NFL history. Not considered a bust because he was a fourth, fifth round draft pick. There's nothing insane coming out of that. But the way he was handled, the Bills were struggling. In that 2017 season, the Bills were not the greatest team ever to grace the the NFL field. They never were. They were not that good of a team. The Bills' defense was elite. Their offense was not. But it was good enough to get them to the playoffs, so that was fine. So I think everybody could care less about how quality they were on the field. But they look at this stretch they had. 
They lost to the Jets, 21-34, and lost to the Saints, 47-10. So, in trying to instill a little, uh, something new for the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott decides to put Nathan Peterman in against a red-hot Los Angeles Chargers team whose defense is slowly but surely heating up. I'm not going to say red-hot as they were, like, undefeated when they played them, but they were looking good. They started off 0-4 and then rattled off three straight wins and then lost the Patriots, lost the Jaguars. But the defense was motivated. The team was motivated. You put a guy in there, That's they took it as a sign of disrespect. You have guys like Casey Hayward, like Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. They took it as a sign of disrespect that you're going to play this rookie against us at our home field. And you know what happened? Joey Bosa happened. Freaking Casey Hayward happened. Just murder by, what is it, death by a thousand throws or something like that? Jeez, Nathan Peterman just got absolutely blasted in that game. And it was unfair to Tyrod because Tyrod really wasn't the reason the Bills were doing as bad. You look at what they did. Yeah, they only scored 31 points those two games, but they allowed 34 against the Jets and 47 against the Saints. They weren't doing anything spectacular at that point. And the next week, my dad and I went to the Kansas City Chiefs-Bills game, and the Chiefs fans were screaming for Patrick Mahomes. That's where Travis Kelsey had to come out and kind of defend him. And then the next week, my dad and I went to Buffalo to watch the Bills-Patriots game. Retired through an interception at the goal line. But you look at what happened to this Bills team, and you go, how did they make the playoffs? They had three straight losses by double digits. Four of the five losses they had in a row were by double digits. Then they proceeded to lose the Patriots 37-16, the second to last week of the season. And then beat the. How did this team make the playoffs? It's a peculiar case here of how. I don't, I don't know. Luck. Better be lucky than good, though. But Nathan Peterman, after that season, they traded Tyrod Taylor to Cleveland. Because, again, they had the opt out thing. And then Nathan Peterman is battling with A.J. McCarron and then a newly drafted Josh Allen, who's considered to be a, the biggest project of every pick in the draft. With a project pick. You don't let him learn behind Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. McCarron was a career backup, and Nathan Peterman just got, got done having the worst single seasons in NFL history, and he barely played. Then he's a god in the, in the preseason. I don't know what it is with Nathan Peterman in the freaking preseason. He is a beast in the preseason. I've never seen someone do so good in the preseason and absolutely suck in the regular season as much as Nathan Peterman did. It is insane. But, you know what? They have Josh, and Josh was rushed into it because Nathan Peterman had a a zero QBR against the Baltimore Ravens week one. Why was this guy allowed to keep going on to the field? You're just destroying his confidence at this point. And the team hated him. But, as we said before, he did score the first rushing touchdown the Bears allowed in the 2018 season. So... We'll take it, even though the guy absolutely blasted that game. But Nathan Peterman is like a warning to everybody. You might not like what you have as a starter, but the backup is a backup for a reason. Most of the time. Tyrod wasn't playing great in those games, but the defense was the reason they were playing as bad as they were. Not just because of how bad the offense was playing. 21 points in a few games, is good enough to get you a win. In most of these games the Bills had this season, that 21 points, 21 to 34, if they just scored 21 points, they would have won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 games. The teams they played allowed only 21 points. Or less than scored less than 21 points. And the Bills' defense that season, with those blowouts, still finishes the second-best defense in the league. Or one of the best defense in the league. I think it was the next year they were second best defense in the league. Ridiculous stuff. Yeah, the Nathan Peterman handling and the Tyrod Taylor handling, you could tell it was a first-year head coach making those decisions because it was not it was not pretty the entire time. It just wasn't pretty. Number three, the Doug Marone era. Bills fans look at Doug Marone with the same way that 
a lot of people stereotypically look at their mother-in-laws. They don't like them. Monster-in-law. Every Bills fan hates Doug Marone with a passion. So Doug Marone, for those of you who don't know, came from Syracuse, had some decent success at Syracuse, coined himself St. Doug because it's a miracle to win at Syracuse and at Buffalo. Would qualify the other. Buff- winning at Syracuse, one miracle. Buffalo would qualify as the other one. Bills finished 9-7 and seven in his season, his first season with the Bills, his last season with the Bills, and second in the AFC East. And you know what happened? Kyle Orton, the team's starting quarterback, was, he was retiring. Doug Marone basically yelled at him and called him out in his media because he quit. And then, like, a few days later, Doug Marone quits. At the end of the 2014 season, it was revealed Marone had a three-day opt-out clause, or three-day out clause in his contract in the event of an ownership change. The clause was triggered by the sale of the Bills in 2014 after the death of Phil's longtime founder and owner, Ralph Wilson. So Doug Marone exercises out, out, exercises out clause and quit on December 31st, <laughs> 2014, and still collected a full salary for 2015. He had a job, at least what it seemed, he had a job lined up with the Jets. He didn't get it. He went down to Jacksonville and became the offensive line coach of the Jaguars. Now he's back being a head coach. But that whole era, the Doug Marone era, was an absolutely atrocious era in Buffalo. Ruined EJ Manuel, who, Bleacher Report, back in 2013, I, I found this article on accident. I was just looking up EJ Manuel, and I said draft profile. I wanted to see what he was the first quarterback taken in the 2013 draft. Only quarterback taken in the first round that year. My dad and I were at a Barnstormers game and the Bills drafted him. April 29th, 2013. Alex Dunlap. Is he still working or she? I guess I don't really know who this is. Still working? It doesn't look like he or she is still working for Bleacher Report. Their last article was written in 2014. So here's what he said. Or she. Why EJ Manuel is the best pick in the 2013 NFL draft. Here's a little. Here's the first first paragraph. 2013 draft has come and gone, and now the quote unquote draft community will go their separate ways. When we reconvene, we'll all be looking at the same thing: the next EJ Manual. <laughs> oh my God! The next we want the next EJ Manual. EJ Manual is the best pick of the 2013 draft because of who he is but also because of who the Bills want to be in italics. Bills want stability in their personnel, in their front office, in their scheme, and their culture. And then they did a little bit of a numbering system here on why E.J. Manuel will be the greatest quarterback of this this scene. Okay, here's another one. Bills fans should be overjoyed that people are in their place, in place, who said they wanted to take the best player for their system, even when it wasn't easy. They saw Manuel... What anyone they saw in Manuel, what anyone who has been close to him during his draft process has seen. One, he's an elite physical tools. Two, he has intellect. Three, Annual seems to have quote it. Find me one other person that has spoken with EJ Manuel about football and who has not come away impressed. We'll show you a person who is simply never impressed. NFL scout or average Joe Manuel just has a way about him. Congratulations, Bills fans. And don't worry about the D-minus rating that Mel Kiper gave you in the 2013 draft. EJ Manuel is gonna go off. That's how the article ended. Alex, I am very happy you are no longer working in sports media. That was the one of the worst quarterback drafts that I've seen. In a, one quarterback was taken in the first round. One not one quarterback made it to an even Pro Bowl. Let's look at read the quarterbacks in this draft class. Manuel, Geno Smith, Mike Glennon, Matt Barkley, who's on the Bills now, Ryan Nassib, Tyler Wilson, Landry Jones, Brad Sorensen, Zach Dysert, and B.J. Daniels, and then Sean Renfrey from Duke. Not one quarterback is either A, starting in the NFL right now, or B, a Pro Bowler, has been a Pro Bowler. And only, what, to my calculations, 
I think only three of them are actually on an NFL roster. Geno, Mike Glennon, and Matt Barkley. I don't even know if Mike, no, Mike Glennon's in Jacksonville, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Jacksonville. Geno's in Seattle. Matt Barkley's in Buffalo. I love the end of it, though. The ending is the best part. EJ Manuel is going to go off. Congratulations, Bills fans. And don't worry about the D rating minus or D minus or D rating that Mel Kuyper gave your team in the 2013 draft. Good Lord. What? Like, there's some bad predictions out there. I've made some questionable predictions in my time in sports media. But good Lord, I have never seen one as bad as that one. They got, now, I do, I really like Robert Woods. He was decent in his time in Buffalo. He's been great for Los Angeles Rams. I like Marquise Goodson. Good, Marquise Goodwin, decent wide receiver, slot guy. Kiko Alonso was a Bills legend for about a season. Now, every Bills fan hates him. Got Shady McCoy, though, so that all worked out. So, kind of check that one off. Then you got Duke Williams, the safety, not the wide receiver. Jonathan Meeks and Chris Gragg. And then EJ Manuel, of course. DJ Manuel is gonna go off. What a way to sign steal and that and just send that. Send it! Send it! It's all oh my god, what a what a take. I didn't even mean to find this article, and it just was right there in front of me. And I'm so happy I found it. But sticking on the topic of quarterbacks, number two is the Doug Flutie versus Rob Johnson situation. Quarterback battle, if you want to call it. So, Rob Johnson had a decent season in Jacksonville. Okay? Rob Johnson. The Bills and Jaguars are are kind of a rivalry now. I hate Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars don't like the Bills. If you, I went to the Bills-Jaguars game in Buffalo. It was a hostile environment. But in Jacksonville, Rob Johnson started a grand total of one game. And he played a grand total of eight games. And in those five games he played, threw for 344 yards and had two touchdowns and two interceptions. Those are two starts. Or one is one start in Jacksonville. 1-0, though. But it got him a nice little deal to the Buffalo Bills. Okay? So, Rob Johnson is now a Bills quarterback. Probably one of the most, uh, what do you want to call it? I, I don't know what you want to call it. But they the Bills exchanged a first and fourth round pick in the tw- 1998 NFL Draft. Johnson was immediately named a starting quarterback after signing a five-year, $25 million contract with the team. First-year Bills head coach Wade Phillips proclaimed Johnson's rival as the start of a new era for the franchise. Yeah, because the Bills never went to the playoffs after Rob Johnson's tenure in Buffalo. That's why it's the new era. You like your team going to the playoffs every single season? Ha! You ain't getting that anymore. So there's Rob Johnson. And then Doug Flutie from Canada. Comes in. Nobody really thought Doug Flutie should be anywhere near a football field in the NFL. Played for the Patriots for a little bit. I have a Doug Flutie Patriots card. It's a pretty neat card. But he got crapped up to, to Canada. Absolutely dominated in Canada. Playing for the BC Lions, Calgary Stampeders, the Toronto Agronauts. Like, he played very good. I think it's the Agronauts. Yes! And uh, he played very well up there. Dominant. CFL legend. People are calling it. I remember watching a documentary. They called him the Michael Jordan or something of the CFL. Greatest player this Canadian Football League's ever seen. I put him and Warren Moon up there together. Comes down to Buffalo. No high expectations. Rob Johnson gets hurt against the San Diego Chargers week one. And Doug Flutie comes in and takes the starting job. Doug Flutie in that first year. 2,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, 11 picks. Now, it was down from his 47 touchdowns from the season before and his 5,500 yards from the season before, but it's good numbers. Doug Flutie, in that season, ended up being a pro bowler and was named NFL's comeback player of the year. The next season, Doug Flutie's named starter. Leads the Bills to a nice 10-5 and record. And then the last game of the season, Wade Phillips is like, hey, Doug, we're going to sit you for this game. Let Rob go in. It's a meaningless game. We got our playoff spot locked in. We're fine. Just let Rob play. So Rob goes in, wins the game 31-6, goes 24-32 for 287 yards and two touchdowns. Colts were on an 11-game winning streak at the time. And it was over now. Bills lost to the Colts 31-14 to start the year. Colts were 13-3 that season. Last Colts, the, the, last, the last loss the Colts had prior to that was against the Dolphins in Week 5. 
and it was a three-point loss. Both of their losses prior to that game were three-point losses. And Rob Johnson came in and just lit them up. So, Ralph Wilson comes in. Wade Phillips is dead set on starting Doug Flutie because he's been the starter the entire season. Got them to that point. Haven't seen a return on our investment yet. Start Rob in the playoff game. Wade Phillips now has said that in hindsight, Doug would have won the game. Because if you look at what Rob Johnson did in the game, his nickname RoboSack was not more evident in this game, or in, the, in his career than this game. Six sacks and three fumbles. He has the NFL record for most sacks per NFL dropback, per pass attempt. That's insane. He did not have a good game. 10 of 22, 131 yards, and as we said, six sacks, three fumbles. But somehow, the Bills had the lead going late into the game, and then you have, of course, the Music City Miracle, which we will not go into here on today's show. But that whole situation, if Doug Flutie got them to 10 and 5, Rob Johnson is a a good game and a meaningless game, and we're going to switch back to Rob Johnson. Then Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson rotated again, and then they were both out of Buffalo. Whatever, it wasn't Wade Phillips' call on this. This was all ownership. Owners get the get the final say over head coaches. You see this in uh, the replacements with Shane Falco getting benched. Like Shane Falco was going to start. He was making all the throws in the for practice, getting ready for the game against Dallas. And then coach comes out and says, we're not starting you. It's a shame. Owners get the final say over everything. This is one of those situations. And the number one was not drafting Russell Wilson. Now, this came out recently. This came out like two weeks ago I heard about this. The Buffalo Bills were looking at a quarterback in the 2013 NFL draft. Or not 2013, 2012 NFL draft. I'm still on the EJ Manuel thing. 2013 NFL draft. Third round, Bills have a nice little pick here. Bills have the 69th pick in the draft. See what I did there? They want Russell Wilson. They're like, ah, we can get him in the fourth round. We don't need to worry about it. Six picks later, Russell Wilson gets drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson has not missed a single game in his entire NFL career. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has been to another Super Bowl. Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks of the 2010s. He's the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. And the Bills took TJ Graham, who lasted two seasons in Buffalo and got cut after his second season. Russell Wilson was an immediate starter in Seattle with not great weapons. So sitting here, like watching what he did in Seattle, they had a great defense, but offensively, they didn't have any real weapons for him. Bills had a decent running game with Fred Jackson, and so did the Seahawks with Marshawn. I think Russell Wilson would have been perfectly fine in the Bills' offense. But no, we're going to take TJ <laughs> TJ Graham. What a ridiculous pick. Russell Wilson, throughout his career in Seattle, let's just read out the Russell Wilson stats, okay, in his time in Seattle. With zero offensive line help, not a great wide receiver, not great wide receivers, until re- they're finally building an offense for him now. His first year, start every game. Start every game, every single year. He has not had a losing season, yet alone a 500 season throughout his career. 9-7 is his worst season in the NFL. He has completed over 64% of his pass, 63% of his passes every year in the NFL, minus 2017, which was his worst year in Seattle as a 9-7 and team. Led the league in touchdowns, though, with 34. He has never thrown more than 11 interceptions in a season. Russell Wilson would have been fine in Buffalo. Fine. Perfectly fine in Buffalo. Like, I, it infuriates you even more because you see who the Bills drafted instead of him and the thought of we can get him later, would you know how many times it screwed up teams before? It's why the Giants took Daniel Jones at six, which I don't believe any team was really eyeing up Daniel Jones in the first round. But if you have your guy and he's available, take your guy, no matter what the spot is. 
Seahawks did that in this entire draft. So if you look at who they drafted in this draft, good Lord's got to be one of the greatest drafts in NFL history. They got Bobby Wagner in the second round. Okay. And then in the first round, can I remember where they picked in the first round? I think it was Bruce. Yeah, they got Bruce Irvin as well. Three cogs in that Super Bowl winning team and the team that went back to the Super Bowl. We thought we could get him later. So we decided just not to take him at 69. And he goes six picks later. Take your guy when you can get him. If he's available, and you there had to be some rumors, wrinklings going around that Russell Wilson is going to go in the next few picks. But the Bills at that time were not a great run franchise. As you see, they drafted TJ Graham, who did absolutely nothing in the NFL. As we said, two years got cut after the second year. You had Russell Wilson in your grasp, and you didn't take him because you thought you could get him later. That is why the Seahawks are where they are, and the Bills, prior to last year, are where they are and have been for the better part of 20 years. Stupid stuff like that is why the Bills have been a struggling franchise ever since Jim Kelly retired. And Rob Johnson came in. The curse of Rob Johnson, the curse of Doug Flutie, pretty much. Was so upset the Bills didn't start him in the playoff game that he cursed the franchise. <sighs> but yeah. Here's our top five again as we read through it. Uh, number five, trading back in 2017, where Patrick Mahomes went number 10, drafted Nathan Peterman in the fifth round. Uh, number four, the Nathan Peterman quote-unquote era, if you want to call it that, the handling of Tyrod Taylor, the way they introduced Josh Allen to the NFL way too early. But now Josh Allen's a top 100 player in the NFL, according to his peers. So I think we're fine with that. Uh, number three, the Doug Marone era. What a stupid era that was. Number two, benching Doug Flutie in the playoff game for Rob Johnson, Music City Miracle, the whole quarterback controversy in general. And the number one, drafting TJ Graham above Russell Wilson because you could get Russell Wilson later. What reasoning that is. And with that being said, let's end it here for this Friday edition of Logan Blackman Show. Reminder, video coming out tomorrow. Same with the merch li- merchandise link, so make sure you get ready for that. And I will see you all on Monday. Peace.